My name's Noah. And I'm Ingo. And you're listening to Product Journey. The other voice you're listening to is Ingo, and he is the co-founder of Mara. And yeah, I want to hear a little bit about kind of how you gotten into building businesses. You kind of went a little bit more the venture capital route. So I know you you raised some money. Um, and then I'll, I'll say real quickly kind of what Mara is, at least what I understand of it. It's kind of, you know, there's all these like cool new AI tools coming out. I feel like it's all the rage on the internet, like on Twitter and stuff, everyone's talking about them. Um, but I think like you guys got started with this probably before it was cool or a while ago. Um, but Mara is kind of this tool that allows business owners that own like shops or restaurants that have reviews, probably any business that has reviews online, it allows them to easily reply to those reviews on different websites with AI. So it kind of automates some of those long taking time, like just things they probably didn't want to do is like replying to those messages and stuff. And so you guys build a tool that makes that easy and and uh, you've grown a little team to do that um so ingo how did i do <laughs> very good um i would say oh, perfect description okay. of what we are doing um and you you are absolutely right we already started roughly three years ago and it was i would say it was before the big text generation hype and back then we started analyzing those reviews so what we noticed is a lot of companies have a ton of reviews and I mean, reading them would be an option, but um, if you're a product manager, um, it's simply not possible to get an idea of what are your customers talking about. And on the other hand, it is super valuable to have that kind of feedback out there. So we wanted to build tools to analyze it. And normally in those big enterprises, what you would do is you would hire some data scientists, they build you a custom language model, but that mm -hmm. takes forever and it's pretty hard to do. So what we came up with is like pipelines, how to build those custom language models um, real quick. And I would say we got some big companies as our customers, but it was not moving as fast as we wanted it to be and also it was enterprise sales and enterprise sales simply takes a lot of time a lot of negotiation mm -hmm. obviously deal size is big but it takes forever and for that yeah. reason at some point we were thinking about okay is there any other option where we could create value? And we were talking to a lot of people that have a ton of reviews. And at some point we noticed it's not only about analyzing them, but also to reply to them. And this is a real pain for the potential customers we serve now. Um, so we started building, just as you explained, models where we automatically propose how you could reply to a review. And we started with hotels because... Um, not only there are a ton of different hotels, but customer service is super important to them. And they do feel the pain um, when they tell us, okay, I stand there or sit there and answer on a weekly basis for three hours review straight. It's not a lot of fun. Um, so we started that second product um, to serve those customers. Nice. Yeah, this, this seems like a pretty good application of the AI stuff because I know like right now people are kind of like worried of like, oh, do we really want to be reading AI content and all this stuff? And like, you know, people that are 
trying to create really good content, like they typically like they need to be involved because, you know, humans, at least right now, are better at creating content and making it creative and stuff. But this seems like one of those kind of niches or one of those things where it's like the, maybe the replies or the content doesn't matter that much as long as it's like nice and friendly and like is helpful. Like it's kind of just like making the reply, like just doing it so that the customers are like, oh, the, someone's listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know is that, yeah. is that kind of it yeah i think that's one perspective and the other one is i totally get the discussion we have right now um where it's okay is it simply enough to kind of let the ai write a thousand blog articles and publish it and seo will be amazing is that a solution probably not um but what is different in our case is that um for those discussions you have writers and their passion is to write um And mm -hmm. on our problem, you have like the person standing at a reception and they love talking to customers, solve their problems. But then there's this three painful hours where they need to write replies to different languages, especially in Germany. Um, they do have a lot of international guests, but Ger um, German is their mother tongue, but not English. And they need to translate it. And it's not a lot of fun. And also... Not for everyone, this quality is very high. Um, so it, I think it really helps them to not start with this um, blank paper, but to have a first proposal how you could answer um, them. And at the end, I think it even helps the customers because they get better replies and it's uh, right. from time to time a little better written um, as it would have been otherwise. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so for the listeners, uh, we're going to get into kind of sharing updates of what we've been up to in the last week. Um, so you can kind of hear like what it's been like in both of our shoes. But before we get to that, Ingo, I want to hear from you kind of like how did you get into the startup world, entrepreneurship, creating businesses, um, some of that kind of background that led you to this point? Um, very good question. Um, so I... Back then, I was working as a data scientist for a consultancy firm, What was a ton of fun because I was able to work for different companies, build a lot of models. But also, the missing piece for me was to really build a real product. It was mostly prototypes. We were building four weeks of a model and then went to the next client. We're building the, the next model. So I always thought it would be so cool to have like a little baby, a little product um, to, mm, to mm -hmm. build and grow something. And I followed a lot of people that were building their own stuff and was also yeah, always a little bit jealous um, on kind of how cool that would be to have something own. And yeah. that was also the time where I met my co-founder, Toby, and he did his PhD before he joined the same firm I was working in and he had this idea how you could build those language pipelines and obviously it was a um, some academic papers so it was pretty abstract there was a working prototype but it was not a um, product that was already working um, but he told me about it and he said okay he already knows the third co-founder max he would be interested in doing product um or everything regarded to product marketing and sales and they're still looking for a third person and they would love to have someone who also can can code and um loves to build stuff 
And that was kind of how I was introduced into this idea to build a tool that analyzes review. And I think we were extremely happy and lucky because we um, just received a grant um, from the German government and they actually paid for um, the first year of living expenses. So that also made it a little oh, nice. easier to do that big jump um, to have yeah. like um, a first year of runway without giving away any equity. Um, I think that That's was pretty good deal. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that, you, you kind of yeah. have experience in like the machine learning kind of stuff like that was like, did you go to school for that kind of stuff? Um, I studied economics and mathematics and but I specialized in statistics. So I was coming from the world of statistical models and then yeah, got to learn more and more about machine learning. So that was really my focus topic. Um, and then when we started, I learned a ton of new stuff. Um, I think the beginning was a lot of infrastructure related um, stuff. So how to mm -hmm. deploy it. And the next step was a lot of front-end um, stuff we were building um, the first version with R Shiny um, that is like a R is a scientific programming language mm -hmm. um, I would say and they have like a framework how to build um, front-ends and obviously we were building more and more and more so um, soon we were at the limits of what was possible and then we were um, kind of learning first proper front-end languages to actually build a real application and kind of that started my journey of um, learning a little bit more about development and applications yeah. products stuff like that yeah that's cool so you have three co-founders including yourself and then how many people do you have on the team now um, other than that, we have three developers and we have Ben. Um, so that's mm -hmm. actually how <laughs> I get to know you. Um, I'm yeah. a longtime listener <laughs> of the <laughs> of the podcast. And someday Ben was talking about that he's looking for freelancing work and how he started that. And at the same time, we were looking for someone who knows a lot about proper web development um because we wanted Which to ben go away does. from this <laughs> yes yes and he helped us a ton with it it was so much fun he also visited us for um a couple of days in in Mannheim. so he drove by um slept here um met the whole team we discussed a lot um at those nice. whiteboards behind me draw some <laughs> diagrams how the user flows go and what we could imagine and then he actually built a first version for us and he's still working for us um, so that's the development team. Then we have one person in customer success um, that not only helps with customer success, but also helps a lot with setting up our language models. Um, we just hired a salesperson. Uh, what's a huge win. Um, oh, wow. the, the person seems to be really amazing. And other than that, we have, I think six working students um, at the moment that also um, support us. Nice. That's, that's, uh, that's a pretty big team. Are, are those, so those are like interns, the, the six, the six last ones that you mentioned? Mm, no, it's like they still go to university, um, mm. but they want to earn some money on the side. So they work between two and two and a half days for us. And it is actually amazing. 
how much of a yeah. drive they have. Um, and I'm every time I'm surprised because they still go to university. It's not their primer thing to do, but still um, they help us so much and they actually do a lot of stuff independently. So for us working students, like from the start, we're a huge success and actually a huge success factor for, for Mara, I would say. Okay, interesting. Um, I feel like I could go ask some questions about that <laughs> thoughts on on that like and just how that's going or how that's gone do you want to go first and just kind of talking about kind of the progress you've made on, on the business and stuff sure um so maybe just to give you a little bit of background i'm leading the development team um and i'm still able to program a lot myself um because we actually have very good senior developers um so that gives me the freedom to also code myself um so what I was doing on the development la um, side last week were most importantly two things. The first one was um, support a little bit how we analyze customer data um, because we started with a SQL database and I mean, we have a data science background, so writing very complex SQL queries to analyze um, stuff. We were very familiar with that and then we switched to a NoSQL database. Um, just recently and one of the big questions was how do I get data out of it so so just easy stuff like what are the users that started their trial the last two weeks that did not use all their trials so a little bit of joining filtering stuff like that and obviously one idea would be um, everything on our side works serverless ton of different apis and one idea was okay we could try to build an api for that um, where we aggregate all the data um, but that would probably take i don't know one to two weeks to analyze everything and also mm -hmm. um, a lot on a lot of people in our team can write sql queries but they can't work on the NoSQL database and don't know or don't want to write Python code to analyze the data. So actually a SQL interface would be super nice for them. So um, uh, why did you guys switch to a NoSQL database if uh, it seems like you don't, or no one knows it as well? Just, mm -hmm. yeah, just curious why that decision. Yeah, very good question. Um, so we analyzed reviews and oftentimes we had really like a ton of different reviews and it was simply that when you did like very complex filtering, it took too much time. So what we do, we all also analyze what are people talking about. And sometimes you want to filter, let's say you have smartphone reviews and I want to filter on people to talk about the screen on the screen in the last two weeks negatively for those three products and we did a lot of optimization in the database but still it took a little long um, for for those queries and it was weird for mm -hmm. our customers to then wait for a couple of seconds and for that reason everyone was recommending um, NoSQL databases for those filters um, and at the beginning it was like amazing um, it's so much <laughs> faster and we started it and everything worked perfectly <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, also with, with big data and NoSQL databases, it was so much faster, but doing a simple aggregation um, was so much 
more effort to do that. Um, and for that reason, we were searching for some kind of solution. And we're using a lot of, of AWS. So what I did build was a ETL pipeline to, on a daily basis, copy pretty much the whole database from this NoSQL database to a cloud storage where we then could use a serverless um, SQL database to actually query the data. So now we have pretty much the best of two worlds. Um, mm, we have a nice. super fast database for production and all the people that like to use SQL can use that and do their analysis on their own. And we don't need to spend, I don't know, one or two weeks to build a proper API and a little dashboard and whatsoever. Um, so that was one of the points um, I was mm -hmm. building and it was took me long hours one night, um, but it was a ton of fun to kind of figure it out, to connect everything, um, to see yeah. it running. Um, yeah, it was, was a lot of fun. I'd say for me, databases, I'd say are not, are not fun. Like probably one of my least like, <laughs> parts of like the full stack, you know, cause like, what you know, kind like of doing... database do you use? Um, so I'm using MongoDB right now, mm -hmm. which I guess is a, a NoSQL database yes, as yeah. well. Um, what I don't like about databases is just like, well, one, it's like really important, right? Like you need the data and if like you mess something up or like mess up the data without knowing or delete some data or, or do something like it's a hard thing to fix because, um, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. And then like migrating over to new database tables or things like that. Like it's just, it's just, it, it's the kind of work that I feel like makes you nervous because you're like, oh, if I mess this up, like this could take hours to fix or just like figure out what's going wrong or like, you know, it's kind of the source of truth for all of your program. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really like touching the database uh, too much. Um, but, but I mean, is that but, that's kind of your thing? Well, to, to be very honest, at the beginning, I was a data scientist and I loved doing all the analyses yeah, and building yeah. language models. And that was my part. And now I'm filling the gaps. So I have the feeling every time something is unsolved or one of our developers don't really know how to do it, um, I kind of jump in. Um, and that's a lot of fun to look in all the different places. Um, so I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but because of that, I would say I kind of lost the thing um, because right mm. now I'm doing a very diverse set of different stuff, starting from infrastructure, ETL database, but also tuning the language models, coding a little bit in the front end, working on design. So it's really everywhere a little bit. Um, what is fun because you learn a lot of new stuff. Yeah. So you feel like in your position, you like learn to do a lot of stuff because you're kind of, uh, you know, you're over top of the, the business managing a lot of things, but you lose some like deeper, like going deep into a, a thing kind of skills. Is that what you're saying? Mm, I, w I, I wouldn't necessar necessarily say that um, because sometimes just like for the ETL process to sync the databases, it was like very deep into the details and looking in mm -hmm. how the infrastructure works. Um, but it's more like jumping from, from topic to topic and probably yeah. it's not like I'm, I will become the next 
React expert. Um, I can kind of code my stuff there. Um, it's I would say it's good code. You can use it. Probably you can do a way better. And in some very specific topics, because there was the need, I am a super expert because I kind of went really deep into the rabbit hole. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that describes my my current job. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just I was just curious about that. Like if if you because I'm kind of worried about that at some point where it's like if I start to do more like uh, entrepreneurial like ownership slash management kind of roles where I'm not necessarily in the day to day. Like right now, I definitely am a day to day of like writing lots of code and doing lots of stuff. I am just worried like someday, like, will I lose my like programming skills if I'm not like doing it every day, you know? Mm. And I, at least in my opinion, you, if you reach like a certain level, you don't need to do it every day. And what is amazing with the team is if you're open to it, to it you can learn a, top, um, a ton. So we just hired a backend engineer and this guy is a Python crack. He's like insane. <laughs> um, and we were building... APIs before that and everything was working and looking nice um, but then he kind of looks at your code and he's also a super friendly guy so he tells you yeah we could optimize this and did you hear from that and this new Python version oh, is nice. out and look at that amazing feature can't we use it there and there and there so I would say if you're open with a team you can learn a lot from them um, I think it's always yeah. both both ways and yeah also that is that is a lot of fun um, to kind of mm -hmm. learn new stuff from other people that actually look at your code and try to give you tips and tricks. Yeah, that's true. Kind of on the uh, the flip side, I could see like owning a business, you know, since you kind of can call the shots and you can kind of make yourself be a part of different parts of the business that you want to be in, then you can kind of just like hire someone that's really good at that and like have them kind of teach you yeah. in a way. You probably could learn a lot from that, you know, more than like, going to school or something like that <laughs> and and That'd it was the fun. same for for ben when he came came by i learned so much when he was in Mannheim and just showed us around how to properly set everything up and how to structure mm -hmm. it and it was probably yeah. a way more helpful than doing a week of a course or i don't know trying to figure yeah. it out yourself yeah. um so I really enjoy that. I think it's one of the big pros to have a startup, but also have a little team um, and work with yeah. different people. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, you want to jump then, into some of your other other stuff? Yeah, I have a I have a second point. Um, I mean, I did under stuff than that, but probably the second learning was Figma. Um, so. As mentioned before, I'm not a typical front-end developer. And before that, um, it was me going in the editor, refreshing the page and just being like, okay, there's a button missing. Probably let's put it in there and move <laughs> it some pixels to the left. And yeah, that looks good. And I've never used other mock-up tools than Paper Pencil. Um, for, for the development team, I always kind of drawn a sketch of what I would imagine it to, to look at like. Um, but I would say I was always more on the backend side. Okay, that's the functionality we need. I think overall that could look like. And then dear front-end developer, please kind of 
fill in the gaps and then we can design it um, together. And it was the first time I used a tool like that. And it was so much fun because I, it was yeah, maybe the first time where I put a lot of effort and thinking in how would that look like and where is the best mm, position mm -hmm. of the button and how could we... Um, how could we arrange the screen and do we need that setting? Do we need it to show it from the very beginning? And then with that pixel perfect mock, just like a couple of hours ago, I was able to show it to my co-founders to get some initial feedback. And it was a way less painful to rearrange the screen and do some changes than it would be um, when I already coded some of the functionality. And then it's okay, that doesn't make sense. We need to rearrange everything. Um, so it, that was a big surprise how good it worked and yeah, I, I never used it before I was, yeah, probably design was the skill I'm still the skill I'm lacking the most, um, I would say. And this really helped me to probably, properly design a screen before building it. Um, that was a big mm -hmm. surprise for me this week. Yeah. I'm well, curious, like, how long did it take to do like that? Those designs or whatever in Figma. Um, it was super easy to learn it. Um, it only took like one to two hours to get like a good enough knowledge to start going because it's a lot of. You can start with a lot of drag and drop, and if you know how the kind of the, the the programming works that helps a lot um if you understand okay what is the component how does it differ then you totally understand the structure of how this is built um so that only mm -hmm. took like i don't know two hours to get a <laughs> basic understanding and draw some some first mocks and then it was um i don't know for a mock i would say it was also concentrated between one and two hours and probably the thing that took me the most is to get this initial design idea so i browsed around a lot um <laughs> took a lot uh, look at different websites that i really liked and screenshotted them had like 10 different websites around and then kind of started to steal different elements i really liked from that website it was only the icon and the button and then there i really liked the table design and then i started um to build um, but to be honest before that i thought it would take a way longer to first learn the tool but also to yeah. create that stuff and it was surprisingly easy and it was a ton of fun even though i would say i'm not a design person and more on the programming side um, but it yeah. was super cool to to learn that yeah that's cool um so how I, I do you a couple of times yeah yeah um, how do you yeah, how do, how do design I design your stuff? screens? Yeah. Um, so I do, I do paper and pencil as well, or, or that's yeah. what I do also. Um, you know, I've used Figma a couple times um, for like actually making or like updating like logos or things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think paper and pencil works pretty well for like designing stuff. I mean, especially for me, like it's different because it's like I'm kind of working by myself. So as long yeah, as like true. it's in my head um, and I, I have a clear picture of what it should be, then like I think that works pretty well. I can see with the team, like maybe you need a little bit more. 
Um, but you know, the, the, the 37 signals guys, you know, those, they have like, those are the guys that, um, created Basecamp and have written some books and they're kind of like the big bootstrapper guys. They, they kind of talked about this in their book that they kind of say like, you should only do pen or paper and pencil, um, to kind of map out like what the, what the feature is, how it works. And cause that what they say is that the, like the actual like front end developer, like kind of like giving them the creative freedom to actually kind of make it look good and the best. And, and so then the, the portion that they're kind of involved in or like product managers are involved in before that is just kind of making sure you have the concept of like what this is kind of supposed to look like, kind of where maybe some buttons or things are and kind of the UX and they say like doing, and actually they, I think they call it like a fat, uh, marker. Like they don't even use a pencil. They use like a fat marker because then you can't, Mm -hmm. it kind of forces you to not be able to put as much detail into your little drawing because it's like a big marker. (laughs) Um, so that's kind of, I I totally, I totally, yeah, I totally see the point. And I also, um, actually read at least part of the, the book and I totally get this point and i think it's amazing to build first versions and mvps and i still will use paper pencil for the kind of first version of a screen but i think Mm -hmm. what we did now is we already have a working tool and we were always looking at it and we're like it looks good but it doesn't look amazing um it's already kind of there but not perfectly there and i think to iterate really on the design um this helps a ton because i think what was also a real pain for our front-end developers was this some i don't know product guy standing next to you and it's like could you do the button there and then you do it and then he says oh no i guess before it was better um so so i think really moving it when it's not about functionality anymore because we already um have that but if it is about redesigning, then I think it's super helpful to have this detailed yeah. mocks where you can iterate on them and can iterate more quickly than actually coding it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my my perspective on it. And also, do you have you ever shared some designs with the customers um, before you build it, or is it normally you build it and then hope for the best and wait for feedback? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty scrappy, so I. I typically am like, you know, if I'm building like a new feature, I'll talk, I'll talk to some customers and maybe like mm. kind of get an idea of like what they're thinking or what would be helpful to them. And then I'll just like go and build it myself um, and typically build a pretty scrappy version, like my first version. Like I'll try to do it kind of as quickly as possible and then just like mm. launch it, just ship it and then just start to get feedback. And then I can always go back and make it better or change things. Um so yeah, I guess I'm pretty scrappy in that way where I don't have like a huge like feedback loop of getting iterating and getting feedback before launching. Like I try to just get it out there kind of as quick as possible. Um, there has been some times where like a bigger feature, like I did this, um, I kind of recreated the whole like dashboard in Potion and that feature, I kind of did like a approach where it took a couple weeks to, for me to actually like launch it out to everybody. I kind of just like, had it on like a staging version and had a couple customers using it just to get some feedback and had some new people using it first and then 
finally kind of push it out to everyone. So that was kind of nice for that, just because that was a bigger change and just a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I was able to kind of fix a lot of things in that period. Um, but yeah, typically if it's like a smaller feature or smaller thing, I just kind of push it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think it's always a trade-off of kind of how perfect is the feature and speed. And I think speed is very important, especially in, in the early stage. So I think for most of the cases, it's probably the, the right way to do it. Um, what I just learned, especially as I'm not the best designer, I guess that's one one part of it, um, to actually yeah. improve a already good looking um, screen, that really helped me. And for kind of everyone that looks for a tool to bring your screen from, I don't know, 80% um, UI-wise to, I don't know, 95%, um, I think that can be really helpful. And also, I think, yeah. yeah, just as you mentioned with a team, if you work with a team, um, from time to time, it helps to actually show them, okay, this is what it would look like. Um, because, um, yeah, it's, it's easier if it's only you and you're like, okay, I like it, um, looks yeah. perfect. But if there are more people on the table, um, there are more opinions. And for that reason, sure. also, um, really, really liked it so far. Um, but yeah, maybe we can <laughs> discuss that at some later point, maybe in one year. Um, I have a different see opinion, how, but for now at. it worked pretty good. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, that was, cool. that was, um, probably my, um, development update. Um, besides being a developer working with the dev team, I'm also, um, a founder. Um, so last week we had our monthly strategy meeting, um, we do it like once a month where we say, okay, we don't work on the daily business and just jump into strategic discussions um, where we, it's actually pretty nice. Normally we have breakfast together, discuss a lot of different topics oh, that's, um, that's we collected fun. before. Yeah, we kind of openly share how do we feel also kind of from, from a personal standpoint. Um, so we had that last week, um, what was not only insightful, but it's always um, kind of it feels good to spend time with my co-founders as they are obviously also um, friends. And mm -hmm. beside that one, um, we started um, cooperations with some newsletters um, in the hotel industries, um, what was super cool to, to see because it was quite successful. Um, when they send it around, um, we had a lot of new new invites um, or new signups to to our trial. Um, so hopefully some of them will convert. Um, but just from the signup numbers, that was quite interesting. Um, and I think one of the reasons why it was so successful is that it was our that the relevant market for us. Um, it was only hoteliers in that um, newsletter, and that was also. Pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, maybe before nice. going into more details, how was your week? Yeah, um, my week has been good. Um, it's been a fun week. I've been really motivated uh, because I basically, I made it a goal this week. So I kind of had two things going on or that I did this week. So the main thing is I made a goal that all in this week, I'm going to create like this engineering as marketing project. Um, mm -hmm. And so the whole goal was to kind of to create a project that can hopefully get like a lot of traffic to Potion. Um, 
And so the idea was to create a directory of Notion widgets. Uh, so kind mm -hmm. of like tools and things that you can embed into Notion. And uh, yeah, like I, I kind of did a lot of research on this kind of beforehand, like figuring out like, would this be a good idea, something to build? Like, you know, how much traffic is there to Notion widgets? Is this something people are using? I, I talked to probably like five or six people that are like Notion creators, like they're in the Notion community to kind of get their idea on like different Notion widgets that they'd be interested in or like. <clears throat> And so it's kind of, it's, it kind of depends how big this could become. Like in some ways, like this could just be, I work on this this week and then that's it. And just kind of put it out there, see what happens. And I don't really have to do anything with it. It's just kind of like a directory, but there is mm -hmm. another world where I could see this kind of almost developing into its own, almost its own product in a way, like, especially if it gets a lot of traffic, um, that, then kind of feeds into Potion because, you know, the only people that are going to come to this site are going to be Notion users. And those are my target audience. Um, and so if I can get a lot of people coming um, and then kind of show them Potion through that as well, hopefully get some of them to kind of convert. So kind of the idea so, is have like a free to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. To jump in, to jump in there, because um, listening to your podcast, that was actually one of my big questions. You just said um, Notion users are your target audience. Do you know a little yeah. bit more about what is your typical user? Is it mostly websites? If you for startups, is it mostly writing for blogs? Is right. it who who is your typical customer? Right. Yeah. So Notion, I, I would say like Notion users is like a very generic, like that's like a big umbrella mm -hmm. of my users. Yeah. Um, and then my actual users for Potion are like a piece of that, that are more like creators. Um, they're more like entrepreneurial. So a lot of like entrepreneurs that are like maybe trying to sell something or have like an online business. A lot of people that are like working in tech that are using it as like a portfolio website or things like that. Um, so the, the range is kind of large, but Most of my, like my potion users are like pro consumers, people that are trying to do stuff online with their website, but they also are a Notion user, like they love Notion. And so like this uh, widgets kind of engineering as marketing project wouldn't necessarily be grabbing only like, like specifically people that would use potion, like, like it, it's going to basically grab a bigger umbrella. Like it's going to grab all the Notion users potentially. And so then a subset of that could be perfect for potion um mm. but yeah I, i think like hopefully that is a good strategy like just trying to make something that's valuable for notion users as a whole um like all these little widgets are going to be free to use um so it kind of gets them in the door and then i'll you know I'll have their email i'll like have kind of a banner about potion on the the widget pages and stuff um, so I don't know, I'm just kind of trying it out. It's kind of like an experiment in a way <laughs> to like, see, see if this is a good way for me to like generate some good traffic and get some people in the door so that I can grow potion more. Um, so kind of the idea is like to start out like this week, all I'm building is kind of a directory of other widgets. So like there might be like, it's almost like help guides where it's like, this is how you can embed a Spotify widget in your notion workspace or this is how you can embed a google calendar in your notion which uh workspace so most of them are almost going to be like guides and it's going to be a directory where you can find that info and so hopefully like people you know people are searching for those kind of things so they'll find the site that way 
Um, and then the other thing I'm doing this week is I'm creating a custom widget that allows you to like write custom code and then I'll host it for you so that you can then embed it into your Notion workspace. Um, and then the other thing that that allows you to do is say, you know, a widget is basically an iframe, right? So like mm. not all code or, or not all like embeddables that other like tools have, they don't necessarily host it for you, but they might like give you, hey, here's this iframe, here's this code that you can put in your website, um, but you're going to have to, you know, host it yourself and stuff. And so this is a way that maybe like people that don't know how to code can kind of just like copy some code from their other tool that they want to embed into their Notion workspace. And then they can use my little custom hosting widget to paste it in and then I'll host it for you. So that's kind of like the first widget that I'm actually creating, but that's kind of the, the hopeful plan is that, you know, most of the directory is just going to be other widgets and other things, but then I could also eventually start to create some of my own, uh, custom widgets that are like made by potion and like, I actually built them and stuff. And then, but they're kind of all a part of this directory. So that's, that's kind of the idea as a whole. And I'm kind of building the first version of it this week. And I've, I'm getting, I think I'll be done actually by Friday. Like it's gone pretty well, uh, thankfully. Like it's been pretty smooth, like just making that whole thing. And um, yeah, so that's that's been going well. So I feel like you have some so, questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I have a ton of questions. Um, so you just said that you want to collect email addresses. Um, do you need to <clears throat> register for your page or is it open and there's some banner for I don't know, newsletter, or how do you collect the email addresses? Yeah, good question. So um, the emails kind of be kind of like the last thing. So the majority of widgets and stuff, like it will kind of or mostly be like a guide where you can just come, it's all open. You can just read like how to, you know, add the widget to Notion and just do that. The, the widgets where it needs my custom widget, that's when you'll have to create like an account. You'll have to create an email and it'll be free. But uh, if you want to, you know, copy and paste some iframe into a widget that Potion hosts for you, that's when you'll have to create an email account. Um, and a lot of the widgets that I add will probably even like have a part of like the kind of guide, like now create a, you know, a custom widget and you can copy paste here. Like that will probably like a lot of them will probably kind of have that in there. So uh, mm. it'll all be kind of open, but eventually up for a lot of them, you probably will have to create like a free account to, to use it. I see, I see. And who's writing the how-to guides? Is that you or are you taking uh, yeah. that from? <laughs> <laughs> I do because everything, basically. What, <laughs> what happened to us, and I think it was, I never thought about it, but we were asking a blog to feature us and they had a look at our product and we're like, yeah, that's super cool. We would love to feature you, but we have a ton of work to do. Um, so that's probably not happening in the near future, uh, future because we simply don't, don't have the time. Um, but they propose to simply have like a guest blog article. So we wrote mm -hmm. the article for them um, and they had like a new content piece. In their opinion, it was interesting and they published it. And I mean, we got some some traffic, some backlinks, so I would say win-win. And I could totally imagine that if you write a lot of those widget builders, hey, I try to launch this 
page and i think that could be a great opportunity for people to find you um would you be interested in writing a short how to um page here's my default structure maybe i already created one have a look at that one um i could imagine that um actually people are willing to write those guides for you and that you are allowed to to publish them because i could imagine writing like a 100 different how-to tutorials that takes quite a bit of time yeah <clears throat> no that's definitely true i i think that uh Yeah, I think this project, I think partially because it's like free and also because it's like little components, right? Like it's these different little widgets mm -hmm. that do different things. I think it does give me a lot of opportunities to maybe like interact with other like creators, other Notion creators in the space and like uh, collaborate in some way. And I think it, it, it just makes it easier because it's like a free thing that's like all about like giving value to other people that I think they'll make it people more open to that. So I think... Yeah, that I think that's a really good idea. Like, I should definitely like reach out to people where it makes sense and be like, "Hey, like, you know, you use this kind of stuff, or you you write about this kind of stuff already. Like, you know, could you make something about this on your website as well, and and kind of get backlinks that way?" Um, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunity for stuff like that for sure. Yeah, and and I could just mention even imagine that they write kind of guest articles. And you can publish them on your own page. Um, so you don't mm -hmm. need to create like all the content on, on your own page. Maybe that works. Um, maybe That's true. it's another, worth giving it a try. Yeah. Another thing I forgot to mention in this idea that I'm going to do is have like a page where people can submit their widgets so they can submit their embeds. Oh, And smart. Kind, of, kind of the cool thing is that all of my like help guide kind of pages are actually built in notion so like it's all like the back end is all notion and my website kind of because this is kind of what potion does um so i just kind of use some of the same technology i've already kind of built and my uh my website will grab the the content from notion and then that's what it puts on the page so then what i can do is i can like go out to other people and be like hey you want to add your widget like create a guide in notion And then I'll just like add it to the website. You know, I'll, I'll probably review it or whatever, but I can kind of use Notion as a way to like have other people like kind of do some of the work and especially if they want to submit their own widget and then I'll just like, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll submit it um, and add it if you do kind of some of the work to put it up there. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that idea. Um, yeah, it makes it a little bit more scalable so you won't be the bottleneck of adding new content. Yeah, really, really loved it. Um, so... Just that you mentioned it, what I'm thinking now about is that you just created a way to bring Notion onto websites. That's what you just mentioned. You built like all the functionality in there. Did you ever think about connecting it to different stuff? For example, to Webflow, where, I mean, mm -hmm. you do have this feature of writing your blogs in Webflow, But especially um, if you are into Notion, I have the feeling I would prefer writing into Notion. But maybe yeah. I would still like to to put it on our Webflow page because our marketing team decided that this is the best yeah. way. Um, did you ever think about stuff like like that to use it for different engines? Um, yeah, you're, you're just saying for the Potion product as a whole, like being able to create websites um, or... or put in notion data into other website tools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've thought about that a little bit. Like one of the ideas is you could make an embeddable like widget out of Notion, like a Notion page. Like you could create a Notion page and then that would become a widget that you could embed in like Webflow or other places. Um, <clears throat> I think that, yes, yeah, so I've thought of that idea a little bit. I haven't actually had that many people asking for that though. Um, so I haven't necessarily seen that there's a lot of demand for that. I think one of the problems with that at least is I feel like widgets um, and embed embeddables are typically not as good with like SEO. Like if you're embedding into the, your website, like that content probably isn't uh, able to be like Google's probably not able to go through it as well. And it probably just doesn't rank as high because of that. Um, but I'm trying to think, yeah, it could be kind of Does tricky it need to, to be a embed because if I give you my Webflow login data and say, okay, this yeah. is my, I don't know, blog, but I love to write a notion, um, put the HTML output you just create in there. Um, would that be possible from a technical side? Yeah, that's where I was, that's where I was going to go next. I think it probably could be, especially like if Webflow had some kind of API that allowed me to like add content to a page or something. I bet they have some way of doing that. Um, so yeah, there's probably definitely, like there's probably some things there for sure that could be done to make that happen. I guess it's just the question of, is that worth my time, like to build out kind of a custom workflow process for that? Um, yeah, I don't know, like, cause there's lots of tools I could probably, you could like integrate with, right? And so then it's like figuring out which tool is the one that makes sense and then, um, yeah, I feel like at least where I'm at right now, it probably doesn't make sense for me to go that way since I'm like, you know, a solo founder, don't have like a team. I can't move that fast. Um, so anyways, I feel like there's a lot I can do with my current kind of positioning and current market to grow a lot that I don't need to do that yet. But I mean, yeah, maybe mm -hmm. something like that could make sense in the future um, when I'm kind of getting to maybe the edge of where I'm at currently. And how did you, um, you just mentioned it's hard to figure out if it's worth your time. Um, thinking back at the beginning of Potion, how did you decide that building Potion was the right thing that was worth your time? Did you talk to 100 potential customers? Did you do any pre-selling, just build it for yourself? How How is your approach to testing ideas? <clears throat> yeah, so... Um... With Potion, it was kind of nice because there was a lot of stuff happening online, like in communities and stuff already. Like one, I could see like on Twitter, Notion users like love talking uh, like in general about Notion and other stuff. So like that was mm -hmm. one good sign that like there's like actually a community around this product that like there's a lot of word of mouth going on. So like if I can be a part of that, like that's a great thing. So that was one thing that kind of drew me to Notion in the beginning. Um, and then I found this little tool called Fruition that all it was was this like way that you could like add some scripts like some code to cloudflare to kind of make it so that you could host or, or have a custom domain that would point to your notion workspace your public notion workspace so it allowed people to kind of mm. create a custom website but it was all just hosted through notion and it was actually like really kind of complicated to do like you kind of had to be technical to set it up a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, and so I saw that website fruition and they were kind of the first ones that were like helping people create websites with notion. And it was a free tool. It was like this free, you know, coding thing, but there were like hundreds of people that had used it. Like they had, like they, they showed on their website, like, 
different websites of people using it. And there was like a couple hundred people. And I was like, wow, like there's mm -hmm. like people already like there's demand right there. Like people are wanting to create websites yeah. out of notion. And the only way they can do it is in this like terrible way. That's like kind of tricky and hard to do. And that was almost all I needed to see, I guess, to like know like there was something here, like and there was demand here. Um, and then also like my main competitor, they like launched a few months before I did. And so there was already like, all right, there's people starting to do this. Like, I think this is a thing. Um, and so, you know, I was, it was also like early, like it was before the Notion API was even out um, that I mm -hmm. started. And so like, I saw that as kind of actually a good sign as well. Like one, it well, I guess one, it kind of makes things harder to work with the Notion data because there's not like an actual API. Um, but so it, you could kind of see that as a negative thing, but I saw it as like, okay, this is like really early. Like this is early days. So like if I start now, like I'll probably get a head start before like the Notion API wave comes. So yeah, there's just like different things I was looking at there um, that made me think like, this is probably like a good business to build. And so I, then I just kind of went out and started doing it. Um, so that's, that's uh, kind of how I validated the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting that you mostly looked at uh, kind of market on competitors different options alternatives very interesting and then how long did it take until you got like first paying customers some feedback so when you decided to start and code something so how long did it take yeah so it took me two months to build the first version and then i launched early access and within the first couple of days of early access i got my first uh, couple of users um, and those were people I were kind of like talking to and getting feedback from like in the whole process. So I kind of knew they were like lined up a little bit. Um, but also I was like building in public on Twitter. I was sharing a lot of what I was doing on Twitter and I was starting to gain a little bit of a following through that. And that's where I, mm. I got my first probably like 75 customers within the first three or four months um, just from Twitter, um, sharing about it on Twitter. Um, so that's kind of where it started to grow um, and got my first my first users. And is this still your main channel of growth? So right now, where where are your customers coming from? Yeah, so Google actually shows up as like my first uh, like referral, and then Twitter's second. But and so I was like, oh great, like my SEO engine is starting <laughs> to do well. But then I looked yeah. into the data later when someone mentioned like you should you know look into it on Twitter that really if they're doing like a branded search, which a lot of my searches through Google were branded searches, like they're actually searching for like Potion Notion, Website Builder, Potion, like that was most of my searches, which probably means that they're people that are still hearing about it through Twitter and just like coming back later and trying to find it. Um, so I think Twitter is probably still like my main source. Um, and then Google like SEO is, is probably second. Did you so. try any paid ads or not at all? Actually, that's funny because I just tried my first paid ad uh, yesterday. Um, there's nice. this website called called well, so it's not Google Ads. It's a it's it's a sponsor kind of thing through a, someone that created a website called NotionAnswers.com. So it's mm -hmm. a website that's kind of like a forum to help Notion users. And so he asked me to uh, put an ad on there, or if I'd be interested. And so I was like, eh, let's just try it. So I paid uh, $400 to have my ad be on his website for two months. 
and he supposedly gets like 15,000 unique views a month. So I don't know. I'm not, I have no idea if that's like, <laughs> if this is going to work or not. Um, but for me to make it worth it, I need to probably get like four or five customers to convert within, you know, that two month period for me to like make mm -hmm. my money back and it to be a, a, a positive um, investment. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, it's just kind of like the first try at doing something. I liked the idea of like sponsoring something that's Notion specific because like that's, you know, my kind of users kind of need to be Notion users. So that was that was cool, at least. Um, and I mean, so, yeah, 15,000 sounds like there could be some potential of some yeah. people that would like to visit your website. Did you is it already on there? Yeah, it is. It's on there. Uh, you'll see it kind of to the side. Um, the first version of it didn't look like I, I, I messed up the wording and oh, yeah, but it looks like he's updated it because uh, I sent him a new version of it. And uh, it because the first version, just I, I think I don't think my ad made much sense. So I kind of updated it a little bit and he's updated that now on his website. Do you, do you see it? Notionanswers.com. Oh, nice. It's like at a very uh, it's pretty big of, right the first page yeah <laughs> and it's pretty big ocean creation <laughs> wow i'm i'm impressed and i mean i imagine something way smaller when you said for two months and the price um <laughs> yeah. wow that's that's actually pretty impressive um yeah so maybe also for the too. listeners it's worth checking out it looks super nice um and i'm already yeah. looking forward <laughs> to some updates how that worked Yeah, well, I put a uh, rewardful link on it so I can actually track how many hits I get, you know, how many people are clicking on it. But then it also will track all the, all the way through to conversion, like how many of those people actually end up paying. So that will be really important to see, like, how many of these people that found me through this ad will actually pay for it. Um, and so that's obviously the, the number I care about. <laughs> and that um, would be probably a... New topic, but um, looking at the time, we probably need to discuss that yeah. um, a different time because um, your experience with Rewardful and how you use it would be super interesting um, for me because we are thinking about whether or not to, to use it, but that's probably um, yeah, something we should... We should sometime. Yeah, <laughs> um, The last thing I'll say uh, that I did do this week, which... You know, this could probably be a longer conversation too. Is I launched my freemium version of Potion this week uh, on Monday. So, because I've been working on the freemium, I think it took me a week or so to set that all up the last week, and then I I launched it this Monday. Um, so I'm just starting to see kind of you know the people come in, and the biggest thing is I before I had a credit card up front. And the mm -hmm. step from people adding their email to then seeing the credit card page, 70% of people in that flow would drop out. Like they'd leave right at that point when they see the credit card. So now, now that I have a freemium version, all those people are getting into the product, you know, right away. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the big question in my mind still is like, is that going to end up in more conversions? Um, are there going to be more people that end up starting to pay for it and, and just using the free version so that it's kind of like a marketing channel. Um, so I'm still learning from that, but that's, that was kind of a big switch and change in my product uh, this week. Um, so I'm kind of watching that and, uh, but it, it's, it's been cool so far to see people, more is, people coming through. 
is it only you're thinking only about conversion or is it also bringing new customers to your page because if i understand it the right way if i try it i would be um, able to create a free potion website but it would be hosted by you so probably there will be some marketing at least it will be the yeah. domain so if i share it with some people um they might find you and and your tool and it sounds like it would be it could be a great marketing channel besides only the the conversion yeah yeah that's yeah that's definitely the plan um it does i do have like a little banner that says like created by potion in the corner of their website and it uses a potion subdomain um for the free plan so yeah i i mean i haven't really started to see that yet that there's like lots more people coming in um but i should also that you know going back to rewardful i'm also able to track people that are clicking the bat the banner like the little badge at the bottom of those free websites so i can also start to track people that are coming through that that route so that will be really interesting to see um and maybe even when we talk about rewardful sometime i'll, I'll like pull up those numbers and I, i can actually look at some of those numbers to see what they are currently um which is always interesting to look at some data but yeah that that that's, that's would be so interesting maybe one last question from my side um what happens to your existing customers are you scared of um losing some of them so if one of them notices okay maybe a free free version is uh, good enough for me i might kind of downgrade is that a fear you have is that something you monitor or um so that's not really a fear i have um so I looked at all the websites I currently have and I looked at how many of them, you know, people that are paying, how many of them had a custom domain. And like, I think it was around like 80% of them had a mm -hmm. custom domain. And probably those ones that weren't a custom domain were probably like people's secondary sites or, or other sites that they maybe even just use for testing or whatever. Um, so like, I know that the main reason like people pay for potion is they want a custom domain. And so that's why I feel like that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, thing to charge for. That's the difference between the freemium plan and the paid plans. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, but yeah, we'll see, like, we'll see if my growth starts to change at all. in then in the next month or so, because of this potentially, Ho hopefully in a positive direction, but <laughs> yeah let's hope for for the best but you also changed your pricing recently didn't you that's true yeah that's true like two <laughs> weeks ago i changed the pricing um so it's a little more expensive so yeah, i have lots of things changing at once right now which could make it hard to know what to attribute things to <laughs> <laughs> but did did you notice any uh, changes regarding um with your pricing so far in the last two weeks or was it just um, a little bit more revenue because price increase and that's it. Um, a little bit more revenue. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it being less. It's kind of just seemed the same, like through my, my funnel and stuff. But again, it's kind of hard to know, like, because I think I've also had like a good, like two weeks of like some good marketing. Like I had a tweet mm. or two that did pretty well. So like there was probably more people, um, seeing the, you know, coming to my website also. So it's maybe those like cancel out in some way. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> but I would say it's amazing that you move so fast that it's hard to tell where 
defects are coming from, I think it would be way worse if you would be that slow that you can really track every single change. That's so I, true. at the end, I would <laughs> say um, that's a good thing, um, how fast you move and how many things you improve and change. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, maybe it's hard for me to know, like attribute certain changes to a specific thing. Like that's definitely hard to do. But I think, and, and maybe that's just how I run a business. Like I, I kind of do, at least for now, like I feel like I can make some of these changes just knowing like by my gut that it's like better or just, you know, mm. even just like talking to people, getting feedback, you kind of have a feeling like this is a better change. This is the way to go. Um even though I don't necessarily know the exact details of like, you know, it, it changed my growth this much percentage or, you know, I don't necessarily know some of those things, but I can't, it, it feels like it's going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, good. This was fun. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully listeners, uh, you got something out of this, hopefully something valuable for you. Um, so uh, stay tuned to the next episode and uh, see you in another one. Bye-bye. Great talking to you. Bye.